Good morning and welcome. And we do want to just take a second. And if you have served in our military in any way, or maybe you are a family member of someone who's, who, who has served in our military, if you are a military hero, we want you to know today we appreciate your service. Thank you for your sacrifice and your shining so that we have the freedoms to come here this morning and to worship and to praise God. So for all of you this Memorial Day weekend who have been serving or are family members of those, we just want to say thank you so much. Yes, thank you. We are in the middle of our series, Arise and Shine, and um, Pastor Paul has been going through this with us and talking to us about this, uh, this specific passage out of Isaiah. And if you're visiting with us today or you are new here, uh, my name is Stacy McLean. My husband Chris and I have had the privilege of calling Crosstown home now for over 15 years. We've been able to serve and minister here. I love doing the women's ministry here and being a part of the teaching team. And so it is with great joy that I'm here with you this morning. Pastor Paul and his wife, Susan, are celebrating their 30 years of marriage. And um, hats off to them for that. So he asked if I would come and continue talking about this idea of arising and shining. Last week, he told us the story about Caleb. Caleb was one of those 12 spies that went in to check out the promised land. Joshua and Caleb were the only two of the 12 that went in and looked at it and said, it looks tough, but we got this. We can do this. We know because God has promised us this land, and so it may look impossible, but we can do this. The other 10 spies were like, forget about it. It is too tough. Those people are too big. There's no way. But Joshua and Caleb had the courage to say, no, we can do that. When I heard that story, I thought, man, I want to be like Joshua. I want to be like Caleb. I want to have that courage. But the truth is, as I thought about that over the last week, there are areas of my life that I think are too difficult for God to ever bring about those promises. There's relationships. There are things that are out of my control that I'm like, I just, I don't know, God. You know, and Pastor Paul told us last week, that a promise, I love the way he defined this, a promise from God is a fulfillment just needing time and obedience. See, God had told his people, I'm going to give you this promised land, but it took time and obedience. And Joshua and Caleb said, he promised it, so now we're going to go get it. And Pastor Paul taught us last week that we are going to face uphill battles, that there are times that are going to be difficult. There are situations that are going to seem impossible. But if God has promised it, then we just need to maybe wait and take time and be obedient to what he's called us to do. How many of us are in that waiting period? How many of us know, oh, you know, I mean, we live in the Bible Belt in the South. If you die tonight, are you going to go to heaven? I think probably a lot of us are confident that we have that promise. But yet, the fulfillment of God in our lives is not seen in our marriages, in our jobs, in our relationships, in our finances. We're in that waiting period. We're in that period of, I know God's promised it, but I haven't seen the fulfillment of it yet. And for a lot of us, we think, then I can't shine because I'm in that waiting period. But the truth is, no matter where we are, we are called to shine. 
Each one of us are called to shine. Isaiah 60 says it best. This is such a beautiful passage of scripture. I hope some of you have it memorized. We've said it over and over at the beginning of each of these messages. Listen as I read aloud Isaiah 60 verses 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. When you hear that language, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The light has come. We are called to arise and shine. And as I started thinking about that, since we've been talking about this idea of shining and looking at people in scripture that shine, I started thinking about how each one of us, our shine is going to look a little bit different. And I don't know if you are like me, but I grew up um, in a traditional church background, and I am so thankful for my traditional church background because it has formed who I am today and given me a lot of the foundation for my desire to fall more in love with God, to expand and to be stretched in my knowledge and understanding of him. But growing up, I heard that we are supposed to reflect the love of God. That's kind of the image that comes to us when we hear this verse out of Isaiah 60, reflect the love of God. And I think that is absolutely true. We are called to reflect the love of God. But today, I want to use a different word to kind of maybe just get you thinking a little bit differently about it. I don't know about you, but when I am trying to learn something and I really want it to be part of who I am, I like to look at different ways I can say it, different words I can use. I'm a word nerd. I can't help it. I just like words and I find them fascinating. And so I started thinking about other words, other analogies that we could use. And this word came up to me and I thought, yeah. I think that might be it. Now, it's a confusing word. It may not be confusing to you, but it took me about 10 minutes to type it in to the dictionary.com app to figure out which word I wanted to actually use because there are lots of words that sound the same. But the word I want you to hear today is emanate. It's E-M-A-N-A-T-E. Not to be confused with eminent or emanate. It's emanate, and it means proceed as from a source. So when something emanates out of your life, it's proceeding out of your life, but it's coming from a different source. So that's what I want us to think about when we hear the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. See, the truth is, um, when we think about Jesus and when Jesus came, he said he was the light of the world. That's what he told us. And then he went on to say, I'm the light of the world, and I want you to now be the light of the world. I'm going to go, and you're going to do greater things than I ever did. No pressure, right, Jesus? He brought people back from the dead. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind, and he said, yeah, I know, and now you are going to do greater things than me. Okay, how? How, Lord? How can I do that? Because he tells his disciples in the first chapter of Acts, he says, because I'm going to sin power. There's going to be power that's going to come upon you. He poured out the Holy Spirit, and it's in each one of us. The Holy Spirit is alive in us if we are in relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. If we have acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Savior, then he has given us, he has poured into us, power has been given to us, the power of the Holy Spirit that is the very essence of who God is. You may be sitting there thinking, 
I don't feel like I have that power. I know I don't either, to be totally honest with you. I don't feel that. But that's what scripture says. That's what he promised. He said in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to give you the promise of the Father. I'm giving you that promise. Do I feel it all the time? No. Do I see it all the time? No. But it's a promise. So I have to have time and obedience to experience the fulfillment of that promise. So we are called to emanate the love of God. We are called to produce lives that emanate the love of God. And actually, the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 1.27 that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So when you see something that's emanating out of my life, it is not coming from me. When you see love, when you see kindness, when you see forgiveness, it is coming. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's what we're called to do. Jesus told his disciples in Acts, he said, you are to be my witnesses to the end of the earth. You are to go and tell this good news, and you are to do it to the end of the earth. You are my witnesses. That has not changed for us today. We are his witnesses, and we are to emanate the love of God. But see, what happens a lot of times, as I was studying this and thinking about how to get my mind wrapped around this, because if you're going to stand up and teach something, you kind of have to at least have a, somewhat of a working knowledge of it. So we're talking about your light has come. And again, I started looking at this idea of light, and what does light mean? And what does it mean to have brightness? And one of the things that I discovered is that there's a newer word on the scene to talk about brightness. So if you're like me, you know, I grew up with the incandescent bulbs, and it was a 60-watt bulb, and that's what we talked about. But if you've bought any light bulbs lately, you may have seen the word lumens on it. You may have seen the word lumens on your light bulb. And lumens refers to the brightness. With the newer lights, they're going to use this language of lumens, referring to how bright something is. And so for a lot of us, though, we equate our brightness with the things that we're doing. So we say, well, am I emanating? Am I showing this brightness? Am I shining? Well, yeah, I go to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm serving in the nursery. I'm serving coffee. I mean, I get up and go to church. I get up and read my Bible. And those are things that are great, wonderful spiritual disciplines. Don't get me wrong. Those are things that will increase your ability to know God more, to experience more of God. But see, for me, a lot of times I'll say, well, I don't understand why this isn't getting better. I'm reading my Bible because I equate my brightness with the task that I'm doing. But scripture does not tell us to try harder. Scripture encourages us and teaches us to submit to God, to submit to who he is and to what his word says. So the question is, is your Bible reading, your church attendance, your service, your giving, is it improving the way you relate to one another? See, for me, for a long time, I've been in full-time ministry now for about five years. In the beginning of it, and I know for some of you that may not be a long time, but for me it seems like a long time. But in the beginning of me doing full-time ministry, I had these honest conversations with God, and I said, I love you, I love your word, I'm passionate about it, and I want to do ministry. Can I just not do it with these people? I mean, I, I, you know, like people are difficult. They are hard, <laughs> Right? I mean, I know I am. If you ask my husband, he would say, yes, that's probably true. Ask my children, yeah, people are difficult. It's hard. And the Lord was like, look, you, 
you got to love my people. you got to love people. And so over the last five years, he's taught me how to love people. And some of that has been by reading his word and hearing what he says about his people, that we are his beloved, that we have been created in his image. That's a beautiful thing. How can I not love you? Now when I look around, I'm like, oh, man, look at him. That's amazing, God. Look what you've done. So for us, when we think about lumens referring to brightness, we need to think that lumens equals Christ-likeness. Think about, when you think about, am I shining, am I bright, how much are you like Christ? How much are you responding like Christ would respond in a situation? So are you shining a light in your marriage relationship, in your friendships, with your coworkers? <laughs> what about the guy who cuts you off the traffic? Okay, guilty, guilty. So this past school year, I have been carpooling with my daughter and one of her friends, and they're teenagers. So they're paying attention to the way I respond, and they're just now getting their driver's license, so they're paying attention. And do you know, God so convicted me, because I am driving in traffic, and I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? What is he thinking? Get out of my way. Don't you know you do not drive in the left lane? Come on. But the Lord's like, hey, how much are you responding in Christ-likeness when you're in the car? How much are you responding in Christ-likeness when you're serving? I don't want to empty the trash can. That's somebody else's job. Do it. And do it because you love Jesus and you get to serve. Is that developing Christ-likeness in us? You know, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, the religious people at his time, he told them in Luke chapter 11, he said, Woe to you. You know, you do good to tithe from all of the stuff that you have. But you have neglected love, and you have neglected justice, and you can't do that. And he said to me early on when I entered into ministry, you can't love me if you don't love others. Okay, Lord. Okay. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul tells us all about spiritual gifts. And the cool thing is every single one of us has been given a spiritual gift by God. If you don't know your spiritual gift, I invite you to join us on the third Sunday of the month in Growth Track because we do a whole little thing where you get to discover what your spiritual gift is. God's given us these things that are beyond our ability. They're supernatural. They're gifts of God that he's given to us. So the Apostle Paul tells us all about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And immediately after that, he starts off 1 Corinthians 13, and he says, you may speak in tongues of men and angels. You may have prophetic powers. Who doesn't want prophetic powers? And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. You may have the faith to move a mountain. You may give to the poor. But if you do not have love, then you have nothing. You must have love, or else you're just a, a noisy instrument. You're nothing apart from love. So today, we're going to look at the story of someone who really demonstrates sacrificial love, who really demonstrates loving even when it's not easy. Because really, that's the crux of how much we love someone. I read a quote the other day that said, your love is only as good as the person that you most unlove. Oh, you know that person that's really hard to love? However well you love that person, that's the quality of your love. 
See, Scripture tells us, what good does it do to love somebody who loves you? Of course you're going to do that. But what about those people that we bump against in life that are difficult, that are challenging? How well do you love them? Today we're going to look at this story about how this person responds in love when it wasn't the easiest response to have. We're going to be in the book of Ruth. So if you've got your Bibles or your smartphones, you can go ahead and turn to Ruth. It's one of those books right after Joshua and Judges in the beginning of the Old Testament. It's kind of tucked away in there. It's only four chapters long. I think it's like 85 verses, but don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. It's a very short little book but profound. I wish I had time today to read the entire book to you, but we don't have time for that. But I want you to hear the the story that we're going to talk about in Ruth. Last week when Pastor Paul and I were talking about different shine stories and who can we look at in scripture that shines, he said, what do you think about the book of Ruth? I was like, oh yeah, she's a woman. She's got a whole book named after her. I can get behind Ruth. Yes, I can get behind Ruth. He said, no, not Ruth. How about Naomi? I was like, wait, hold on, which one was Naomi again? Oh, she, okay. And, and the truth is, this gives away my first point. You don't have to be the main character to shine. And all the introverts in the room said, Phew. see, when I hear arise and shine, I think, well, I've got to get up, and I've got to let people see it, and I've got to be the center of attention. But that's not the truth at all. And we're going to look at Naomi, and we're going to see that she was not the main character. The book is not named after Naomi. But it's because of Naomi that the rest of the events in the story take place, and we have it recorded in Scripture. And it's one of the most beautiful stories in all of Scripture, and powerful, too. So when you're looking at this story, Ruth... Um, I want to give you a little bit of background about what was going on. So there was this promised land that God had given to his people, and Caleb and Joshua fought for this promised land. And so the people of God who were worshiping God were living in this promised land. But then, you know, things continued happening, life happened, and a famine hit the land. And that was a real thing in that time in history. When they didn't get rain, they didn't have food. And so a famine had hit the land, and there was this guy named Elimelech, who was a Hebrew who was living in the promised land, and he told his wife and his two sons, he said, listen, we need to leave the promised land. We need to walk outside of the promised land, just go over here to this little country area that it's called Moab, and they've got some food. We're going to go over there. We're just going to take a short little stay over there. We're going to get some food. We're going to wait for this famine to take off, you know, to kind of be freed, and then we'll go back over to the promised land. How many of us do that in our own personal lives? God's given us a promise, but in that waiting time, instead of being obedient and sticking to the promises of God, we just, I'm just going to take a little journey right over here. I'm just going to step right over here for a little bit. I'm going to do it my way for a little bit. I don't know if that talks to you, but that sure talks to me. I'm a going to take charge kind of person. And that's what Elimelech was doing. He wanted to just kind of go over there. And he went to Moab. And Moab had a history with Israel. They had been at war before. I mean, they weren't one of the most disliked between the Israelites and the Moabites. It wasn't one of the worst situations, but it definitely wasn't a good situation. And they were leaving the promised land, going in to Moab. We're going to pick up in Ruth 1 starting in verse 3. I'm going to read a couple of verses, and then we're going to stop and talk about it, and then I'll read a verse and stop and talk, but I promise I'm not reading the whole story. So Ruth 1, starting in verse 3. 
But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilion died, so that the woman, referring to Naomi, was left without her two sons and her husband. See, Naomi and her husband left a bad situation and went over here hoping things would get better and they wanted it to be temporary. But what Elimelech didn't know is that it wasn't going to be temporary for him. He died there along with his two sons. And here, Naomi, her situation went from bad to worse. For a woman at that time in history, to not have a husband or any sons was probably the most hopeless situation she could have been in. Some of us came in this morning in what seemed to be very hopeless situations. And I hope for you today that this story of Naomi encourages you to see beyond that. Because we're going to see how Naomi moved beyond that. She was at rock bottom. The next verse that we're going to read, verse 6, it is the crux of the whole thing. This is the one verse I really want you to take away today and think about. Because she, her situation went from bad to worse. Here she is in a foreign land, outside of the promised land, no husband, no sons, no way to provide for herself. And she finds herself in this situation it could not have become more of a desperate situation for Naomi. She was at rock bottom. And listen to how she responded at rock bottom. Then she arose. It's her rise and shine moment. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and he had given them food. That phrase, the Lord had visited his people and given them food. She was over here, but she heard what was going on over here. And when she heard it, she arose and she decided we're going to go back. You can shine even at rock bottom. Maybe the way out for you is the way back. See, I think a lot of us think, my situation is too desperate. My life is too much in disarray. There's too much chaos. I've already messed up. My children are gone and out of the house. My parents, I don't have a relationship with them anymore. There's no way, there's no way this can be restored. And what I want to encourage you today, if you're in that place, maybe the way out is the way back to the promises of God. See, I think a lot of us will ask things of God, like, God, I really want you to fix my marriage. God, I really want you to fix my finances. God, I really want you to improve my health. He is not a genie in a bottle, and he is not going to sprinkle fairy dust and make it all better. He is so much better than that. He's so much bigger than that for us. He has given us great and precious promises, his word tells us. But if we are unwilling to move out of a pit of despair, he is going to wait on us because he is patient. He is long-suffering, and he will wait patiently on us. And so maybe for some of us, instead of just sitting there and praying, God, fix it, God, fix it, God, fix it, God's saying, the solution to the problem is you coming back 
coming back. And for you, the way out of that pit of despair is coming back to a field of hope. Naomi heard that the Lord had provided food. If you are here today, I want you to know the Lord is visiting his people today. He is here among us today. Michelle was singing that song, Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us today, and he wants you to know he loves you. He knows. He knows your past. He still loves you. He knows what you did. He forgives you. He loves you. And what he wants you to know today, he's visited his people. He's among us, and he is offering you his food, the bread of life. That is what he's offering to you today. You're hearing him call you and asking you to come back. But some of us think we've fallen too far, we've run too far away, but the truth is you can't fall too deep or run too far for him not to take you back. He is always standing right there with his arms open, ready to take you back. He's waiting for you. And he will continue waiting. Let's pick up the story in verse 7. We're going to read a few more verses and talk about it. Starting in verse 7, talking about Naomi. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judea. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. She's saying, go back, go back. She kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. See, they weren't. Israelites, but they were saying, no, we're going to go back with you and your people. And Naomi said, no, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that, you may, be, that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. See, Naomi, not the main character of the story, at rock bottom, began emanating the love of God to these two women. She was shining. It was not going to be an easy journey for Naomi, at her age, without any form of protection, to walk back to Judea. That just wasn't going to be safe for her. But she loved these two women so much that she said, no, you guys don't come with me. You guys stay. You guys don't, don't follow me back. It's, I, you know, I stepped out. I got this mess. I got myself in this mess. I don't, I don't want to bring you along the way. But see, the truth is, when she said this, she said the same thing to both women. She told the exact same message. They're both standing there. But one of them returned home, and one of them clung to her. See, for a lot of us, we base our shining on the response of others. But the truth is, we cannot evaluate our shine based on the response of others. Naomi was talking to both of them in the same way, and Orpah went back home, 
and Ruth clung to her. Ruth actually said, it's probably one of the most quoted things at a wedding ever, your people will be my people, where you lodge, I will lodge. She's saying, your God will be my God. I didn't know him, but I saw the love of God emanate out of your life, and I'm not letting go of that. Now, I'm not going to beat Orpah up, because Orpah did what was natural. Do you want to do what's natural? Or do you want to do what's supernatural? Do you want to cling a hold to the promises of God no matter what is going on around you? That's what Ruth was doing. But see, so often we will, you know, maybe since this uh, series has started, you've started trying to shine your brightness, maybe in your workplace, maybe in your home, maybe with your neighbors, but you didn't get the response you thought you were going to get. Don't evaluate your shine based on the response. Um, several years ago, it's probably been 12 or so years ago, I was driving down Savannah Highway, and, um, you know, I just felt like the Lord was talking to me. I talked to him a lot in my car, and I felt like he said, you need to pray for that person ahead of you in the car in, on the road. And I thought, okay. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I was like, all right, I'll pray for them. That's no problem. I'm driving down the road. I can pray for them. And then... I felt like he said, now I need you to tell them that you're praying for them. <laughs> okay, God, driving down Savannah Highway at 60 miles an hour, I don't know how, uh, it, fine. If they turn in the same parking lot that I turn into, I'll pray for them. Sure enough, here goes that suburban ahead of me right into the parking lot where I was going. I was like, I was just kidding, God. Actually, if they get out of their car and they cross in front of my path, then I'll tell them I'm praying for them. Sure enough, as soon as I get out of my car, it's like the woman made a beeline to where I was, just walked right in front of me. So I had to, right? I said, um, excuse me, ma'am, I know you don't know me, but I was just following you on 17. She kind of gets a little tense and looks at me, and I said, I don't know where you are right now, and I don't know what's going on, but I felt like God asked me to pray for you, and he wanted me to tell you that he loves you, and he has not forgotten you. And I mean, I like got tears in my eyes, right? It's one of the first times I'd ever stepped out in my faith and been bold. And so I was ready for the skies to open and the angels to sing and the hallelujah chorus to come. You know what response I got? Okay, thank you. She turned around and walked away from me. That was it. And I thought, really, God? What was that all about? I ask you to arise and shine. Don't evaluate it based on anyone else's response. And I can tell you, 12 years later, a few years, like about a year after that happened, I'm at a baby shower. This woman walked into the house where I was at the baby shower. And I thought, oh, please don't let her recognize me. She never acknowledged that she knew me. She never acted like it. I've run into her multiple times since then. She has never once acknowledged that conversation or that she knows me. She's a complete stranger. I don't even know what her name is. We just happen to have been in some of the similar situations. To this day, I don't know. And the Lord said, it's not for you to know. I need you to arise and shine because your light has come and you are to emanate the love of God regardless of the responses. See, we never know the lasting impact that our emanating of God's love is going to have on the world around us. We don't know. And if Naomi had said, I'm only going to love and I'm only going to do this if it's going to turn out the way I think, then she probably would have never done it because Ruth clung to her and Orpah went back home. 
Naomi had no idea the lasting impact that her light would have on the rest of the world. Because if you continue to the end of the book of Ruth, in the last chapter, Ruth ends up marrying this guy named Boaz, and they have a child together who becomes the great-grandfather of King David. Ruth, a woman who was far from God, who was an outsider, ends up being listed as one of the only women listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Naomi's arise and shine moment had a lasting impact. We have experienced the light of the world because Naomi was willing to arise and shine. Even though she wasn't the main character, even though she was at rock bottom, even though she didn't know how it was all going to turn out, she didn't know. It's easy for us to look back and read the book of Ruth in about 15 minutes and go, well, that turned out just great. Wasn't that fabulous? I mean, they said that Naomi was more blessed. But when Naomi first got back to Bethlehem, when she first returned, they were like, who is that? Oh, that's Naomi? Oh, okay. No one offered to help her. No one reached out. But she chose to arise and shine. And the glory of the Lord now is seen. We are called to arise and shine, not because of the results, but because that's what God's called us to do. Your light has come. My light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon us. If you have entered into relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, then it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter the chaos, the discontentment, the hopelessness, or the despair you feel in your heart. You are called to arise and to shine. See, if we never love the unlovable, if we never forgive the unforgivable, if we never offer compassion to those who are without compassion, then the world will not witness the glory of the Lord in my life. The glory of the Lord will be demonstrated when I can love the unlovable. It's those people that are difficult to love. But that's what we're called to do. That's what Naomi was demonstrating to us. She was loving in a very desperate situation. She decided the way out of despair and hopelessness for her was the way back to the promises of God. And it's all about love. God is love. God wants us to demonstrate his love. And so often in the Bible Belt, we would rather pick up our Bible and tell you the right and the wrong about what God's word says. And God's saying, no, there, there is truth in there. There is right and wrong in there. But it is all interwoven with, I love you. I have called you out. You are my beloved. That's what God wants us to hear. Today, we're about to look at a video of a young couple, Andrew and Melissa Snyder. They have recently become part of our family here at Crosstown, and they were baptized together. If you were here a month or so ago, you got to witness their baptism. They're a beautiful young couple, and they have two young children, and they are starting out. We're going to watch their video. I want you to listen to the language in their video of how they are emanating the love of God, how they are choosing to start that journey back to the promises of God. And I hope that it touches your heart in the same way that it touched mine. Let's take a look. My name is Andrew, and this is my wife, Melissa. We just moved here a year ago um, from Pennsylvania. Uh, so I grew up in church, and I had a general understanding of everything, and I got saved when I was a kid. 
Uh, I didn't really have the understanding of it. I kind of just did it because it was going to make my parents happy and it's how I was growing up. Um, and Melissa went to, she went to Catholic school. Um, so we both had a general understanding and we were believers, but we weren't, you know. God wasn't first in our lives. That, yeah, that's right. Since we met and, you know, we got married, we had two kids and we lived in Pennsylvania. Um, there was just something missing from our family and I kept praying for Andrew and tell him that I'm praying for him and uh, you know because I knew he wasn't happy where he was with his job um, so the more I kept praying God brought us to Charleston and I, I did always believe in God but I wasn't putting God first like I said so there is kind of like a darkness there when you don't put him first because you're not living for him, you're living for yourself, and and that's not what he wants us to do. The first sermon we heard was from Ephesians. Um, Pastor Paul was doing the status quo, and it was Ephesians <clears throat> about how man and wife should align themselves under God, and, and he was also telling us how we should do everything for God. So, um, you know, I kind of said, I, I'd gotten myself as far as I could get, you know, Saul, Paul, in, um, in Damascus, he thought he knew everything, and it's, it's hard to listen when you think that you know everything. So, God softened my heart, and it's and it's you. been a, it's been a lot easier to go through, you know, just the daily struggles of being married, and you you know you get into a fight, and it's the object isn't to well I gotta win this fight, and it's no 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 I'm right I'm right, and it's like hey you know, God tells me I'm supposed to I'm supposed to be fair and kind to you, so I need to I need to take a step back from myself and kind of look at this differently and I was finding that God was putting a lot of things in front of me about getting baptized you know it's a different life to put God first rather than to just believe in God and that's really where I'm at right now so I want to learn what God wants me to do because I wasn't really like open to it before I'm asking him to um, help me to show me where I can shine because I really don't know yet and I so I'm just like on a journey that's beginning just having faith in God and putting him first and knowing that he's going to take care of you just takes all that anxiety away so it really is like a huge change for us and it, it's just a really big transformation that we're starting this journey really together and we're, we're starting it now it's new we have a really good relationship to where Whenever I'm not 100%, she's 100% for me and, and vice versa. And she looks at me and she's like, oh, well, you know, I feel like you're in a different place than I am. And I said, no, you're in, you're in such a great place. And it's because of you that I did this and that I came to God the way that I did because, you know, she's, she's dragging me by my, by my shirt saying, come on, come on, let's do it, let's do it. And I was against the whole thing because I'm like, you know, uh, I mean, I believe in God, but... You know, I'm, I'm good, and, and she's the one who is the one urging me, saying, we need to do this. We need to do this for our marriage. We need to do this for our family. So when she says that she doesn't know where she shines, it's like being a wife. <laughs> what a great story of arising and shining. And I want to close today the same way that I began 
that a promise from God is a fulfillment just needing time and obedience. But remember, the Lord visited his people and he had given them food. See, the Lord is here with us today. He has visited us today and he is offering you the bread of life. It doesn't matter where you are on your journey. If it's the beginning, if it's the middle, or you feel like you're nearing the end of your journey here, you are still called to arise and shine. And he meets you right where you are. He doesn't want you to shine like somebody else is shining. He's got a way for you to shine exactly how he has planned it for you. As a matter of fact, Psalm 107.9 says, For he satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. He is here to satisfy that hungry and thirsty soul and to fill it with what is good. See, Naomi heard what God was doing. She was over in the field in Moab, and she heard that the Lord had visited her people, his people. So she arose, and she went back. She responded. You have heard what God is doing. Are you going to respond? Am I going to respond? Maybe for you, we're about to move in this moment that we call expressions. And this is the time where you can respond to what God has been saying. Maybe God spoke to you this morning through somebody else you interacted with when you got here. Or maybe through a song that we sang. Or maybe through something I said when I was teaching. But are you going to respond to him? During this time, it's a time for you to respond. Maybe you want to come over to the cross. Maybe there's just that one area in your life where you just can't, you just haven't trusted him yet. You just don't think there's any way. And maybe you can nail that to the cross and surrender it, submit it. You know, he just made me this way. I'm always going to lose my temper. I'm always going to be angry. No, that does not have to be true for you today. Give that to him. Submit to him. Or maybe for you today, you want to come and you want to participate in communion. You want to take the body and the blood of Christ that was poured out for the forgiveness of my sins, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you want to start your way back by reminding yourself, if you are in relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, that that was done for you and what he has declared free is free indeed. And you want to proclaim that again through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Or maybe you want to go and ask one of our pastors or elders to pray with you. These are people who are in this journey and they want to help you along in your journey by praying with you. Or maybe today it's a time for you to stay right where you are and to praise him for all that he is doing, even in the things that are unseen, because he is a God who is always moving and working. Wherever you are today, respond, because God has visited us today, and he has brought good things for our soul. So hunger and thirst after him. Father, we love you so much. We thank you so much for being a God who satisfies the thirsty and the hungry soul with good things. We thank you that you have given us the promise of your Holy Spirit, that power, 
has come upon us and that you are calling us to arise and shine. Yes, God, there is chaos all around us. There are mountains that seem like they cannot be moved or climbed. But God, we know that you are a God who fights for us. And we know what your promise says in scripture, that you are for us and you want to give us a hope and a future. And Father, when we arise and shine, nations will be drawn to that light. Whether they respond or not, they will be drawn. And we are called to stand up today. So Father, wherever we are in this journey, fill us with your love, fill us with your courage, fill us with your mercy and your compassion to respond in love. We ask this in Jesus' name.